we are in a series called Life. With this messy life filled with uncertainty, how can we find hope and peace and joy through this Christmas season? Let me give you a statement. God with us changes everything. And with that is a question. I'm going to ask a number of questions over the course of today. There's four questions I'm going to ask. The first question is, God is with us, but am I with God? And I want you to ask yourself that question. God is with us. And that's what we're talking about this morning with the word Emmanuel. A couple of years ago, we had a youth camp. and The theme of the youth camp was Emmanuel, God with us. And this morning, we're going to be focusing upon that for ourselves for Christmas. With the gift of Christmas, last week we talked about Jesus being the light of Christmas, the light that brights and shines in this dark world. And now we have God himself with us. And that rolls off my tongue so easily, and it's easy to say, that's a lot more difficult now to live out because it's a reality but I don't always feel it. I don't always tangibly see or feel that God is with me. So how do we live when something is a fact and not always a feeling? So God is with us. But here's the question. Are you with God? God promises that I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He says and promises that he knows the beginning from the end. He knows everything about us. And scripture talks about knowing the hairs that are on our heads, every thought that had ever come into our mind, even before we were born in the foundation of the world, he knew us and knew everything about us. But we don't always feel it because we don't feel it. Does that make it not true? Not at all. In reality, God with us is the fact and the truth. Now we need to start living as if God is with us. So therefore, we need to live with God in every step of our life. We're going to look at the book of Matthew. If you have your Bibles, look at Matthew chapter number 1 this morning. It's the very first book of the New Testament. And Matthew chapter 1, the particular verse, and if you know your Bible, this is no surprise to you at all. Verse number 23 says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The book of Matthew is the transition book between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it reintroduces the theme of the scripture in the old testament we can see a theme that's actually laid out really nicely in the book of genesis chapter number five verse number one and genesis five verse one says this is the book of the generations of adam now i know it's a weird thing to call you a son of adam particularly if your name's adam here but it's we're called the sons of adam and that is the human race. To be really specific in this passage, the Old Testament focuses upon the nation of Israel, but we can claim that we are all human beings here today, I believe. 
And so therefore, we are the generations of Adam. And the Old Testament gives us creation, and then it gives us the fall of mankind, our sinfulness, the fact that we constantly reject God, where God brings us back time and time again, and we are constantly rejecting. We find the law in the Old Testament, which sets the standard of what we're to live, and it shows us our sinfulness time and time again. And then we get into the book of Matthew, which is the transition from the Old Testament where they're looking forward to their promised Messiah. And the New Testament, where it says in Matthew chapter 1, the very first verse, and verse 1 says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. It's a transition from the Old Testament looking forward to the New Testament being, He's here, the Messiah has come. You can live in the Old Testament time. You can live as if the Messiah hasn't come yet. And you can live morally. You can live ethically. You can know the law. You can read in the the Old Testament the fact that that you are created with a plan and with a purpose. But thank God that the rest of the book comes. And the rest of the Bible is written where we have the New Testament which introduces Jesus Christ, our Savior, God with us. You may find in in the book of Matthew, chapter number 1, verses 18 through 25, some names of Jesus presented. And these are names that are not uncommon for us. In fact, you would recognize all of these names. The names of Jesus and the name of Christ and the name Emmanuel. In fact, it should be today because we're talking about Emmanuel today. The name Jesus is a Greek name that is based upon the Hebrew name, which is the same name as Joshua. So if you have the name Joshua here today, you are the, same, you're the Hebrew version of the Greek Jesus. And the word Jesus literally means Savior. And the word Joshua literally means in the Hebrew, Jehovah is Savior. And that gives us the human name of Jesus. And then from that, we have the name Christ. Christ, again, is a Greek word based upon the Hebrew word Messiah, which literally means the anointed one. So we have Savior. We have anointed. Being anointed means to be set apart, to be chosen and set apart for something special. And the final is Emmanuel, which literally means, and the scripture gives us the definition, God with us, which is describing who Jesus is. So Jesus is our Savior, Christ is the anointed Messiah, and Emmanuel tells us that Jesus, the Savior Messiah, is God. He is not just a good person. He is not just a moral or ethical person. He is God in the flesh. And that leads us into the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, which we're going to focus upon this morning. As we focus upon this, I want you to follow along in your Bible. The, the scripture will be on the screen for you to follow as well. And we're going to be looking and, and discussing the God with us from the perspective of yourself, From the perspective of Mary and of Joseph. Let's read. Verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. 
And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. The question again, God is with us, but am I with God? In your life circumstances, your life circumstances are filled with times of uncertainty. You may find yourself in times where you feel that the world is totally against you. Or you may find yourself thinking you are the only one to ever experience what you are currently experiencing. My encouragement for you is our principle for today. And our principle is, God is with me, so I am never alone. Now, I realize that a number of you here are men. Now, as men, stereotypically, we don't like to admit that we don't want to be alone. We like to think to ourselves that I am strong, I am powerful, I don't need any help or advice or ever need to read instructions. But the reality is, we need to be with God every step of the way. That's the strongest position we could ever find ourselves in. So let's jump into our three points this morning. And the three points this morning, are, I'm going to give them to you, and then we're going to go and break them down. So first is the word found. Where did Mary and Joseph find themselves? What circumstances were they in? Second is fear. What were they feeling in the, exposed and presented with God's plan? And finally is the word fulfill. To fulfill the prophecy of God. Let's jump straight in. The word found. Here's a question for you. What are your circumstances? I was trying to think of a way to, to say that. But where do you find yourself right now? What is going on in your life right now? You may think, and it instantly comes to your mind, you may have a relationship. You think, yes, I am in a relationship right now, and this, 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 and this, and there's all these stresses. You may have just recently got out of hospital, and you're recovering from something. That's the first thing that comes to your mind. My circumstances are my pain. You may have received a diagnosis from the doctor that is filled with uncertainty and un the unknown, and you're thinking, that's my circumstances. You may be thinking that bill is due tomorrow. I don't know how I'm going to pay it. Your circumstances may be fantastic. Everything's going well and things are going smooth. I finished school or I finished work for the year. I'm ready to relax on a holiday and things are going well for you. But what are your circumstances? God is with you through your circumstances. And the scripture again talks about God with us. You are never alone. He's with you through your disappointment and your discouragement and your depression. But you've never experienced what you've experienced today. None of you have ever have experience living in December 10th, 2023. 
Every one of us is experiencing this for the very first time. We have never, ever experienced December 11th, 2023. None of us have experienced tomorrow. We're all going through something new, and your circumstances are unique to yourself. Mary was experiencing something that you've never experienced before. She had an unplanned pregnancy. She had an unplanned pregnancy where she was totally innocent and it was given to her by the Holy Spirit. And the scripture says in verse number 18, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was, and that's that word, found, to be with child. But the child isn't because she was promiscuous or because she did anything wrong and she and Joseph couldn't, couldn't wait and hold themselves. It was because God had a specific plan for her life. And it was through the Holy Spirit. But as you read other scriptures, the Holy Spirit through the, through the angel came and spoke to Mary all by herself at this time. She was the only one that had this news that God had given her a child and she was going to be the mother of the Savior of the world. And the wonderful privilege that that was. But imagine the human side of that. She's described as a young maiden. The speculation about her age, but, but most people would agree that she was a teenager. She wasn't a mature lady. She was a young, growing and developing teenage young woman engaged to a, a man to be married. And then she gets the news that you are going to be, have a child. Imagine trying to go home and explain that one to your parents. Imagine trying to be believable. Imagine when she began to grow and to develop. I think pregnant ladies, particularly my wife, are beautiful. Thing, but my wife was always beautiful when she was pregnant. And she still is. And you think, what excitement. And, but you imagine her carrying that around thinking, everyone thinks that I'm a liar. Nobody has ever done this one before. No one's ever come up with this excuse before. Imagine the conversation she had with Joseph. And saying, Joseph, this is a God thing. This wasn't me. This is God working through us together. And at this time, Joseph hadn't had the conversation. Imagine all the things going through her mind. Imagine possibly the tears of fear on her, on her side. She was found to be pregnant. Her circumstances were filled with unknown. What are people going to say about me? How am I going to provide? Is Joseph going to be with me? Are my parents going to reject me? What are the girls around, you know, around the, the marketplace going to say about me? What are they going to be? Because at that time they'd go down to the well and they would talk around the well. Imagine the gossip. Did you hear about Mary? Imagine trying to explain that and all along knowing in your heart that you are carrying a miracle. I'm sure she had some confidence because she knew what God was doing in her heart and her life. Today is my daughter Riley's 14th birthday. Riley, there's a picture on the screen for you because she's cute. And Riley is 14 years old today. She's my youngest child. I have an 18-year-old, I have a 16-year-old, and now I have a 14-year-old. And of my three children, and I say this publicly, but with, I love all three of my children the same. But Riley is the first one that we actually really planned. I had plans. Before we were married, my wife and I, we, we planned out our life. 
We had just graduated from college, and so therefore we were incredibly poor. And we started working in a church, and we lived in a one-bedroom apartment. And this little apartment that we lived in, we were blessed with my son Caden and also my daughter Tate. So we had four people living in a one-bedroom apartment. But my plans were, and I, I'll publicly say this because my wife knows it very clearly. I said, we're going to wait five years. Because I knew in five years' time we would have been settled. We had arrived in, back in Australia because we were living in the U.S. at the time. And we arrived back in Australia, and I was going to set everything up. And then we were going to have our first child. So Riley is our first planned child because she was born here in Australia. <laughs> but God had wonderful other plans. And I remember at the time, and maybe you've experienced that news as well, like when you receive that exciting news of, of expecting a child and the, the thrill, but also the terror at the same time. You are excited, but then you think as a man, I, I don't know how women feel, but I know as a man, I'm thinking, fantastic, wonderful news. How am I going to pay for this? What are we going to do? Uh-oh, another one. She was found to be with child. Going on to verse number 19, we see Joseph. Joseph, we see, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. He was being an honorable man. He says, I'm not going to publicly shame her. I love her. I've made a commitment to her, but she hasn't made a commitment to me, so therefore I'm going put to her, put her to the side and put her away quietly. Imagine all of the jokes and the jeers. He was a carpenter by trade. I don't think carpenters 2,000 years ago were any different than tradies today. They were probably rough. They were probably made fun of things. He was probably the butt of a lot of jokes. And he had no defense other than, I'm just going to do the honorable thing. You imagine the disappointment on his side hearing this news and the uncertainty because God at this time hadn't confirmed the news that this really was an act of God on, on Mary's life. The hopes and the dreams. Imagine him thinking and probably kicking the rocks and as he walked home in his sandals and thinking this was not the way I planned my life. Have you found yourself in similar circumstances? Have you complained to God before and saying, God, these are not my plans. This is not the way I wanted it to go. This is an encouraging message this morning. Because that may be where you find yourself even right now. The question of today is, what are your circumstances? Moving on from that, we have the word fear. We have a fear of the plan. The question is, what do you fear? Now, the scariest thing in the whole world is not the dark. It is not spiders or snakes or even death. For I understand the scariest thing in the world is the unknown. And when you don't know what the future holds, you don't know what tomorrow brings, it's terrifying. Verses 20 and 21 says, this is talking about Joseph. But as he considered these things about divorcing and putting away the, his, his engagement to Mary, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not, here's that word, fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. God, through this angel, is confirming to Joseph that Mary was telling the truth. 
Now, and I realize this is a dream, but I think Joseph was very conscious through this dream. He had a full understanding of what was taking place here. And you imagine all the thoughts are going through his mind. First of all, he's talking to an angel, which is pretty remarkable. And you don't do that every day. And then secondly, every thing that he had previously doubted and the uncertainty of his, of his circumstances were now being confirmed of saying, Mary was right. This is from the Holy Spirit. This is going to be the Messiah. The thrill and excitement, but also probably the terror of responsibility now was on his mind because he previously had it in his mind, I'm going to put her away. I'm going to forget that part of my life and move on. But he now had to, in a wonderful way, man up and to stand up because now he and Mary both knew the truth, but no one else did. His circumstances had not changed. Everyone at the work site was still probably making fun of him. Everyone would be gossiping about Mary, but he knew what was true. His fear was being put aside because he knew that God had a plan. We naturally return to the old way. We naturally go back to the old way of, of living through fear. Fear brings us back to where we and to do things that we would say we would never do. Oftentimes through fear, we say, I will never, ever do that again. And the next time we have that experience of fear, whatever that is in your life, we find ourselves going back to the old ways again. There's a really, really silly video I'm going to show you in just a moment that illustrates that so well. The scripture des describes us as sheep. Now, I don't see that as an insult for any of you. But maybe if you watch this video, you can see how this is totally human nature to go back to the old way of living when we need to move forward. Doesn't that illustrate human nature? We just get pulled out of the one thing and we naturally just go jumping straight back into the issue and the, and the problem. Last week, I introduced a family to you that's going through a tragedy in their life. That's the, the Bayer family, Kevin and Shiloh and their five children. Kevin is a pastor just outside of Canberra in a place called Quimbian. And he pastors a church there for a number of years. And his wife, Shiloh, was diagnosed with cancer. And a little over a week ago, she passed away. The funeral was on Friday. And as I watched the funeral, I could see that the five children were invited to sing a song. And they sang a song in honor of their mother. But it was a hard song to sing. Because it wasn't just a fluffy little song about mum. It was a song that had this line. All things work together for good, even when it doesn't go the way we think it should. And you think about a family that has recently lost their mum, and their circumstances are pretty low. And they're thinking to themselves, God, where's your plan in all of this? And through going back to the scripture, they can be reminded that all things work together for our good, even when it doesn't go the way we think it should. That's based upon the scripture, Romans chapter number 8, verse number 28, which says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. So we started off with the question, of what are your circumstances? And then we looked at what do you fear? You imagine being Mary and Joseph at this time. There was circumstances that were unknown, filled with uncertainty. There was great natural fear that they were experiencing. But they knew, because God told them, that they were part of God's big 
picture plan. We don't always get that privilege of having an angel come to us to specifically tell us what's going to take place. So we have to trust that God is with us every step of the way. As the angel continued to speak to Joseph, he shares and, and begins to talk with him in verse number 22. And we see in our third point is the word fulfill. Fulfill the prophecy. The question is, what is it that God promises? And when we go back and look at the promises of God, it's exciting because we see that God does have a plan all the way along. And when God makes promises like, I will never leave you nor forsake you, or God is with us, those aren't just vain little platitudes. Those are truth that we can apply to our life. You see, my promises are going to fail. I'm talking about me as an individual. I make lots of promises. I promise my children, absolutely I'll do that. You promise your spouse, absolutely I'll do this. I'll, in five minutes. And I saw this funny joke this week. And I'm, this is a male and female joke, so it's equally making fun of both. So don't worry. The joke was that a woman saying, I'll be ready in five minutes is exactly the same as a man saying, I'll be there in five minutes. You recognize that we make lots of promises that we don't always have intentions of keeping. But in the scripture, it says in verse 22, all this took place to fulfill. To fulfill what? God's promise. What the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. If you look at that, what is that fulfill what the prophet, had been, that the Lord had spoken by the prophet? If you go back to the book of Isaiah, if you have your Bible, you can welcome to turn there. Isaiah chapter number 7. And Isaiah 7 is where this passage is based upon. And if you look at the circumstances in, in the nation of, of Israel and the nation of Judah at that time, there's a picture on the screen that's a map. And if, if you have your Bible, with a, you know, this good old thing called a paper Bible, oftentimes they have maps in the back. And you may have one of these maps in the back of your Bible where it shows the divided kingdom. So this is while Israel had been broken into two nations. You had the, in the north, you had the nation of Israel. And in the south, you had the nation of Judah. And God was working through the prophet Isaiah, working with the nation of Judah at this time. And Israel and Judah were not getting along at all. And in fact, Israel had made a pact with the enemy to the, to the northeast, the nation of Syria, and said, Syria and Israel, we're going to come together and we are going to go down and defeat our brothers, Judah. We're going to go and kill them. And there's a king of the time in Judah. His name is King Ahaz. And King Ahaz is in fellowship and, and talking with the prophet Isaiah. And the prophet Isaiah has a number of things he's teaching through the book of Isaiah. In fact, it's a, it's a worthy book of your study. But as he's teaching, or rather communicating with Isaiah, God sends him to, to give King Ahaz some comfort. You see, in verse number 2 this, uh, in Isaiah 7, it says, The heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. Have you ever been somewhere and you are shaking uncontrollably and you're telling yourself, I'm not nervous at all. And you're shaking uncontrollably. That's what they're feeling. They're shaking like trees before the wind. And then 
through Isaiah, God speaks to King Ahaz and gives him comfort. And it says in verse number four, be careful. This is God talking. Be careful. Be quiet. Do not fear and do not let your heart be faint because of these two. And this last little line here, this is ancient Hebrew God trash talk. Have you ever been on the playground and you've trash-talked someone and you've talked and you said, oh, I'm going to destroy them. That's exactly what God is doing here, except he can back it up. And God says, do not faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands. That's not a compliment. He's calling them little stumps. He's going, don't worry about them. I've already taken care of them. As that passage continues on, he gives him more comfort. And we get to verse number 10 of that passage. And God is speaking to Ahaz. And he says, and again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. And he asked Ahaz a question. He says, ask a sign of the Lord your God. In a very real way, God is saying, ask me to prove this to you. And Ahaz wisely, I believe, responds, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to a test. Because he's basically saying, God, your word is enough. I'll believe you. But then God comes back in verse number 14. And this is the prophecy that we have in in Matthew chapter 1. And it says, I'm going to give you a sign anyway. Even though you didn't ask for it, I really want to give you this sign. And he says in verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. If you read through the rest of chapter number 7, it continues to give a more prophecy and more instruction through that. King Ahaz had a promise of God. His circumstances were exactly the same after the conversation as before, except his perspective was totally different. His perspective was no longer looking at the giants of Syria and the larger nations around them that were going to defeat them. He now understood that God was going to protect him. You imagine the difference in conversation. They go from shaking like trees to now being strong because they realize that God promised that he was going to defeat them. That is a total different perspective because now he was trusting in the fulfillment of God's promises. The same thing for Joseph. Going back to the book of Matthew, chapter number one, verses 24 and 25, we see Joseph and how he responds. His circumstances were exactly the same when he woke up from this dream. He still had to go out and face the world around him. He still had a pregnant fiancé. He still had the responsibility of being a father to the Messiah and all the scariness of being a first-time father, let alone being a, um, providing for a first-time mother and all the other circumstances in, involved in that. But Joseph was different now because he had the promise of God. God promised and says, I am going to be with you. Emmanuel, God with us. His perspective totally changed. And we ha- in this, these verses, we have three he's. Three he's. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did, that's the first he, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. So they were married. 
And then finally, he called his name Jesus. Historically, and using the way that things were often at that time, you would name your sons after yourself or another family member. So there's a lot of connections there and, and symbolism and meaning behind the names. And so he called his name Jesus, which means Jehovah is Savior. When the sun rose the next morning after he woke up, his circumstances were no different, but his actions were totally different. And now he can move forward with confidence because he knew that God was with him. The promises were true. God with us changes everything. Let me ask you that question once again. What does God promise? What does he promise? What does he promise in his word that you can grasp onto? You begin reading through and you begin to read through the New Testament, the words of Jesus, and you can find tremendous, wonderful truth where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus says, I am going to prepare a place for you. And he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you see the promises of Jesus Christ where he promises and says, I'm coming back one day. Our life is filled with uncertainty. Your life and your circumstances that you're experiencing right now are things that you've never, ever done before. You've never experienced today. And we have no idea what, humanly speaking, tomorrow will bring. But we do know one thing, and I want you to mold this around in your mind. This is incredibly important. You are not alone. God with us. Thank God for Jesus Christ and our salvation. As we conclude this morning, the question one more time, God is with us, but am I with God? We'll be remiss of us if we didn't focus upon that. Last week we talked about John chapter 1, and I use this verse. And it says in verse number 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Let me invite you today to see the glory of God because God is with us. 